in the country are required to learn them. It's I'm like the recorder you. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this was a misprint. Maybe <laughs> this was actually the recorder. <laughs> They're basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my recorder used to sound like. <laughs> Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. We are excited to have you today with us as always on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. My name is Chris Lynch, the host of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's a that's a cross between joined and Laura. I just shipped your (laughs) name with joined. I'm Lauren. Good gracious. (laughs) I'm joined by Laura McLean uh, again this week. Hello, Laura. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I am dandy. Uh, Excellent. Doing, doing real well. It's um, it, we're recording on on a day that is some love, some despise. It's one of the you know, it's one of the really things. Maybe it could be the most controversial, not controversial, the most um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? One side or the other. How to uh. Oh my gosh, I am struggling. Divisive, divisive uh, holidays of 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 our calendar in America. It's Halloween. Some folks, yeah. love, some folks hate it. Some folks love candy. Some folks hate candy. Some folks think it's of the devil. Some, you know, it's like, what, what do you do with this thing? So, yeah. But here we are. It is Halloween, um, and I, I'm, I'm sure, Laura, that uh, if they haven't already, <laughs> uh, your boys will begin to collect candy like it's. Um, a national treasure. Oh, we have been, I was telling somebody in my office, I feel like we have been doing this for like a month already and they will stay just sugared up through the end of the year. Pretty much. God bless the teachers. Yes. There was a, uh, (laughs) every time I hear about sugar, when I was at the local church, we went to a camp one year and this camp did a fantastic job of doing this drama throughout camp. And the scene, there was so basically it was like supposed to, you're supposed to help them figure out the mystery of what was going on. But the scene was in this mall, and so there was a basically a mall cop that would stop at different at like four different locations, and one of them was a coffee shop. And I don't know who the girl was, but she was a college student. She was fantastic because she would talk real fast. She go this, sugar, 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 because she would drink too much sugar and cloud caffeine in the coffee shop, and so she was always awesome. And so if I hear sugar, I think sugar, 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 sugar. <laughs> Very random. That'll uh, be my but, life. Yes. For the next, next few three days. And then, yeah. they'll, and then they'll sleep for three days like Rip Van Winkle because they crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be mean as snakes. All right. So here, th- this poses this poses a, a really fun question for us to consider today of all days, even though you're going to get this day after Halloween if you listen uh, when it releases. But since we're on Halloween, we're going to talk about it anyway. You'll find it fun. Yeah. And you can what? go buy it when it's on sale the day after Halloween. 
Correct. This is that's a great that's a great point. Yeah. So we're here for you. We're trying that's to right. help you find the best deals. So since it's now over, the question we want to talk about is <clears throat> what's your favorite Halloween candy? Mine is by far the Reese's pumpkins or bats, whichever form they, they take. Bats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my um my boys. So have you heard this tradition of um getting booed like you there's just like a little bag of goodies on your porch and you've been booed um like with like candy and things so we don't know who did it we do know who did it and my boys definitely know who did it but we play dumb like we don't know who did it it was my mom but um they're always like oh that was so nice of grand we're like i don't know that grand did that yeah i hope grand's not listening <laughs> yeah exactly your 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 joke yeah. is up grand yeah exactly yeah as soon as um Cole, my youngest, picked it up. He was like, oh, Grand definitely did this. She loves this kind of stuff. So anyway, but there were... You paid, Grand. Yeah, exactly. There were um, Reese's bats. But any of the special Reese's, the Reese's eggs are the same way, the trees. I think it's the peanut butter to chocolate ratio. There's, It's just even better than a regular no, Reese's, you're not which the first is hard person. to believe. You're not the first person I've heard say that. So Yeah, they're delicious. And... Really, if you put them in the refrigerator, they're cold. Mm. Chef's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best Halloween candy. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty big Reese's fan. I won't lie. Um, But since you took Reese's, um, for me, it's not far away. I'll be honest. I'm like, I I am not a huge chocolate guy, but anything with peanut butter, I really. Yeah. That being said, I'm a big fan of a payday. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a, a peanut, good choice. Like oh, I love peanuts. Peanuts like one of my favorite snacks. Mm-hmm. I can't keep them in the house, but I eat them by the gallon. You know, <laughs> um, Ruthie, my youngest, she um, she has has acquired my affection for the boiled peanut. Okay. Yeah, and so in case you're wondering, here's another unrelated to ministry uh, and leadership <laughs> tip. If you have an instant pot and you like boiled peanuts, you can make boiled peanuts in your instant pot in about an hour and a half, and they are fantastic. Oh, huh. yeah. Two pounds. I feel of- like that's a pretty that's some niche content right there. Absolutely. I feel like our Ohio friends no. oh, are not oh, why is having not boiled peanuts. Yeah, you're probably right. So if you're listening and you're one of Kay's fellow Ohioans or up there, a boiled peanut is a peanut that's boiled, but it's kind of mushy. And lots of folks don't like it because of the texture. Um, but if you ever want to make some, try them. Two pounds of raw peanuts, half a pound of salt. I'm not half a pound. Good God, no. I was Sorry. like, that is a lot of salt. <laughs> not half a cup of salt. <laughs> Quarter cup of Old Bay. Pressure cook for an hour and 45 minutes and let it slow release. And they are perfect. Anyway, man, I don't know how okay. I got to there from Halloween candy, but... Well, peanuts oh yeah so here's a question for you do you like candy corn love it okay i'm one of the weird people well have you had candy corn and peanuts together yes delicious because i think that tastes like a payday it does you know i I love that combination i can take or leave candy corn but with peanuts i think that's a delight i was gonna say what's your least favorite halloween candy i was fully expecting you to say candy corn we're gonna have no i'm 
not, I'm not an anti candy corn. Um, I don't love those waxy. I mean, I don't see them a whole lot anymore, but those waxy peanut butter things that come in the black or orange. Pe- I was thinking um, the same things. thing. I actually do like them, but I'm I'm weird, but because it's peanut butter. If it was chocolate, yeah, I wouldn't like it, but it's peanut right. butter. I'll, I'm telling you, I like anything. I could eat peanut butter like it's going out of style. Um, uh, I, I'm not a sour person. Like I don't okay. like our patch kids, the sour, oh, you know, I would yeah. rather. Yeah, I, I don't. Now I like, let me rephrase that. I really enjoy like the Skittles. Mm-hmm. I don't even mind sweet tarts, but like the like the Sour Patch Kids have all that. It's like that, the Warhead stuff, all that yeah. super sour stuff. I'm like, ugh. I don't like Warheads, but I do like Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, Sour Patch. Every so often I'll get a hankering for a Sour Patch and I'm like. <laughs> One. Yeah, it's like, then I'm like, no, that's why I didn't like it. Yeah. What's really sad about that, I wish they would make the Sour Patch Kid candy that did it like just patch candy. Don't put all the extra sour <laughs> or something because. Because the candy is actually really good. Once you get past the sour, it's like, that's pretty yeah. good candy. But I can't, just the sour just does me. Throws in. you off. All right. We, we've been on here for way too long talking about candy <laughs> and Halloween. We probably should get some actual content. Maybe, maybe. Um, so as you probably know, we if you've listened, if you listened last week, uh, we started the first of a series around um, dealing with uh, ministry volunteers. Talked last week about <clears throat> some tips. And uh, and and such around uh, re- recruiting volunteers. And uh, this morning uh, or today, yeah, we're recording in the morning, which probably explains why I'm a little. Stumbly. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm much better at night. Kay's not a night person. I'm not a morning person. Um, but I haven't had enough coffee yet to be well. But anyway, this in this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, how to equip your volunteers, because it's one thing to get volunteers um, but at some point you're going to have in order for them to be the best version of themselves, to be the most effective as a ministry leader, we have to give them some tools, uh, and equip them to be effective. So let's just jump in there, Laura. What, what are some things that, um, that you have found to be helpful, um, as far as equipping volunteers? Yeah, well, I think first off, what we talked about last week, as far as just a list of expectations, that is like the first step in equipping volunteers, I think. Um, And then the next thing, I think it has worked really well when you have your team of volunteers um, and you can work together, you can have some learning time for everyone together. So if that, you know, it can look like different things. You could come an hour before, 30 minutes before, maybe there's a Sunday that, or Wednesday that um, youth aren't meeting that volunteers could just get together. um, And there could be a book that you're all working through together or some type of training, um, something specific that you all could work on together. Maybe there's something that your conference is offering, or there's all kinds of stuff, especially now, um, available online that yeah. um, <clears throat> that you could download. But I think, I mean, there's great stuff that you could send out to your volunteers to for them to like 
watch or read or, you know, have that kind of stuff. But I think when you could do that together as a group and then kind of process it together, that that goes kind of an extra step to um, making it even more worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's a, I think that's one of the best points that you probably could make is I think there's this perception when you, th- when you begin to think about youth ministry training or ministry training. Uh, we think huge levels, like we think conventions mm-hmm. or, you know, full day training, or we feel like we had to find experts to come in and do that teaching. Um and I think none of those are bad things. They're 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 helpful. But I think the most effective probably way to equip is to do it uh, on a smaller scale on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're only going to have major training events once a you know once a year, maybe maybe twice a year. Those kind of things that that you can hit. But um, but like Laura said, if even if it's you know. And, and and again, she mentioned the the technology aspect makes this very easy. So even now, you can find between YouTube, TED Talks, and 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 online Zooms and that kind of stuff, you can actually find content from you know those experts without having to pay a dime, and then just have some discussion about how that applies to yourself to your situation. Um, but I think also some things around uh, just like Laura said, send out send out an article, uh, send a quote, um, you know, even because I think reading a book even sometimes seems overwhelming for particularly sure. for volunteers, That's a good point. You know, but just trying to find little tidbits and just having a few minutes conversation and when we can simplify it, um, the more, uh, effective it can be. But I think the, the biggest thing for me is the consistency of it. So I think what, what I had got, what I had begun to do at, at, before I left the local church was, just what you mentioned is we would, I would meet every Sunday that we met, I would ask my volunteers to come in 45 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And that was really to have made, to get them there. I would do a quick run through of what was going to happen that night. Cause they usually didn't know. Um, That's good. You know, and, and have them prepared for that. And then I would have, we'd have some kind of conversation around, you know, sometimes depending on what was, we may have to, you know, deal with calendars and who's going to cover what and that kind of stuff. But often it was just, Hey, you know, here's this thought, you know, what you're, or, or even as simple as, as our, as our friend, um, our late friend, David Sparks used to always do saying, you know, what is life giving for you right now? And what is life draining for you? Just having conversation to really invest in them, uh, as people, as, as, as fellow ministers, you know, I think is important. And that's some, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Yeah, I think I think that's really important because too I think what we're talking about is building a team and in that you have to work to build a team. It just doesn't happen. You know, you have to have those times when when everybody is together working, you know, asking those questions and sharing with one another and you know, because just cuz everybody's in the same ter- church doesn't mean that they really know each other or yeah that they're willing to kind of share that kind of stuff. So that takes um, building trust and, and sharing. And um, another thing that I think is important in that equipping is in that time together to share, you know, like what's going on. If there is a situation going on with a family um, in the youth group that our volunteers need to be aware of so that we can help support the family and the students and that kind of stuff, that 45 minutes before a meeting can be really helpful in ways um, 
that we can think about how we can help support and and those kinds of things. So everybody's on the same page and aware and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's two things about jump out of me there about what you said. One is that the, this idea that um, I, I think that that the, those relationships being built among that team, um, spending I'm trying to, figure out how to say this, spending that time, spending 45 minutes a week with your with your volunteer leaders, building relationships, uh, talking about the needs of those young people. Those kind of things to me, that would be I, I'm trying to think I would say that's as at least as important, maybe even more important than the 45 minutes you spend working on your program, working, mm-hmm. with, you know, the the, the content, um, because I think that's going to multiply because that's what that does is it, ex, it, it, it has an exponential effect. So I think the best youth, uh, well, the best leaders are those that can can multiply themselves that they can train and equip folks to share the load of ministry, particularly as, as, as ministries grow, whether it's children's ministry, adult ministries, youth ministries, whatever, as they grow, you come to a point where if you are not multiplying yourself, then you are going to, um, the, the, you're going to, um, what's the word, uh, stifle, stifle the oh, growth. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Or stifle the growth. And so the and, and if you set a pattern early, even if you've got you and three volunteers, start that pattern of meeting that then. And then as you add volunteers, it becomes part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I would think. And and I've, I've now I've talked so much about that one. I've forgotten the second one, <laughs> that's which, all right. is, which is par for the course. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure it was great. So just, just give me credit for a great one. That's two great <laughs> ones in a row. And yeah. I am. I recently was meeting with a minister who is working on this discipleship plan for their whole church and talking about um, when folks come into their church and how they learn about all the different options that the church offers. This is a large church, um, getting involved in groups, um, taking their next steps, all those kinds of things. But one of the things that she has implemented is they have something like, I can't remember exactly, but 35 to 40 different small groups or groups that meet, you know, around throughout the year around the church. Um, And so in the past, those groups just kind of met independently. They did their own things, you know, they would request resources and that kind of stuff. But um, one of the things that this leader has done is that quarterly now they have a lunch um, where they get together, they share around the table, um, you know, what's going on in their groups, what's going well, what's not going well. They have um, a time of resourcing. There's a focus for each one of these where they're all hearing the same kind of things. And um, she shared that, you know, one of the leaders at first was like, oh, well, that's going to mess up my my Sunday plans, you know, this my Sunday routine. And um, well, it's just once a quarter, I guess it'll be okay. And then, you know, after they did that once, shared how valuable that time was, because when you got together with those other leaders and realized what they're doing and what you're doing and um, the ways that that resourcing was helpful. Um, what a difference it made in the ways that you led your groups. And so um, I just thought that was huge because, you know, beyond youth ministry in the larger church, so often we're just like, thanks for your leadership. 
you know, go and do. Yep. Um, and I thought that was a, a great way to kind of keep people in check and, um, and help resource one another too. Yeah. And we're going to talk next week about um, celebrating and appreciating volunteers. So I don't want to get too far down that path. Um, but I, I think that another thing that just popped in my head as you're talking about that is, you know, we talked about earlier this, um, the importance of having those job descriptions. I think another thing that we often overlook or don't think about doing because it was, and I, because it's not easy, I think we is, is creating some kind of system for evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think evaluation can be a great tool. And so maybe it's a, almost like a, a, a if you're a staff person, you have a, hopefully you, well, I shouldn't say you do, hopefully you have <laughs> a, a periodic evaluation with, whoever you report to, whether it's pastor or a certain committee or whatever. But I think if we can uh, think through a healthy way of helping evaluate the the performance, I hate using that word, but I don't yeah. know a better word, but evaluating the effectiveness, that's a better word. The effectiveness of a volunteer, maybe it's sitting down with that um volunteer and asking them, you know, or, or going through their job description and asking them, you know, how are you doing in each of these areas? Where do you need help? Again, you mm-hmm. do it in a way that's supportive, not in a way that says you suck. Right. But, you know, but, you know, and, and, but it's, but it's, I think you have to be fair and say, look, these are some areas you can make improvement. How can, but it's then not just, these are areas I see where you could improve. Now go do it. Like Laura said, but it's, Here's some areas you can improve. How can we help you? What do you need in order to be better in that area? Because we want to, if you do it in that kind of way, it can be a in, in a supportive role. Mm-hmm. It can be super effective, I think, in helping um, those leaders move to the, the next level where they're going to be more effective. Yeah, definitely. Whatever that might look like. Is there anything more you can think of that you would say that, like, what are, are there any not, not do's, don't do's? Any any things to avoid? <laughs> I don't know. I need more coffee. Whatever you do, quit, don't quit do laughing this. at me. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I mean, um, well, I, I, I don't think it's helpful just to like throw out a bunch of like training. Like, don't just send no. a list of videos or a list of articles and say read this or do this, you know, I think there's got to be more context to it. Um, like you said, now, if you send one article and say, let's discuss this or well, I think if you send a bunch thought, of, I think that's the key is there has to be some kind of conversation about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's what contextualization is. It's okay. It's, mm-hmm. Let's, let's take this, let's take this article that so-and-so wrote from, from massive UMC, you know, from massive Baptist church in Texas. And and how does that apply to little podunk UMC in South Carolina? Right. Is it, is it, and, and that's, I think one of the important things about ministry that I, I'm sure I've said on here before is that ministry, you can take the exact same. And this is why I've come to the point where I despise the word best practices because I feel like best practices is let's copy what so-and-so did down the road or across the country that worked for them. And let's put those practices into place at my, in my context. Mm-hmm. And then we get really frustrated when it doesn't work like, like it did it, you know, at, at someone else's place. And so I like the idea of best principles, you know, let's take the principles they're doing and how do those principles apply to my context? Right. So that's the key. And that's where you get that, that conversation. And, and I think as a, and you know, this is, oh, this is the other thing I was going to say earlier about the, about the, um, 
it applies in both places about the evaluations and about here when you're having these conversations around context. As a leader, you have to be willing to hear when you're doing these evaluations is being able to take the critique from those people that you were talking with, you know, because yeah. you may find out that you had this idea. It's going to work here. And somebody says, I don't think that's going to work here. And here's why. And you have to be willing to hear that and not blow it off because if you don't, if you don't, if every time a volunteer brings an idea to you or brings a critique to you and you just blow it off, then they're going to, they're going to leave. Yeah. For sure. Voice is not being heard and they're not, they're not valuable. But yeah, I think so. That's one of the things to avoid. Another thing I would say to avoid um, is, is, is do you, the one thing, this is going to sound really funny. The one thing you can't do when it comes to equipping volunteers is nothing. Yeah. And so find something, you know, I don't know, you figured out, you know, you, there are, there are podcasts about youth ministry. By the way, have you seen the, the youth group, the YG, um, oh, YG Chronicles, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, hilarious. My it's, I wish I'd had that idea. That's freaking hilarious. Yeah. It makes me giggle. But there, there are fun things around youth ministry is very resourced now. So you can find resources everywhere. So just find a way to, to uniquely or simply put some resources in their hand and find time for conversations. But I think the idea of doing nothing to equip your volunteers, again, I keep saying youth ministry, but that applies to children's ministry, adult ministry, any of that. The only thing, the worst thing you can do is to do nothing to equip them because then they feel like they're yeah. on an island and they're not going to be supported and they're going to burn out quicker. So Absolutely. Anything else, Laura, you had to say about equipping volunteers before we wrap this puppy up? No, I think With those our, are kind of our highlights. Yeah, that's the good sure. we got. If that doesn't work, oh, well, we're out of luck. <laughs> Do nothing. <laughs> if that didn't help you, man, well. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Random fact of the week. Let's hear it. I, know, I cannot you wait. I know. You've been waiting and waiting. I have. Every week, I cannot. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the Today Show reveal of their Halloween costumes. My yeah, wife. have they revealed them they, already? They I did. I saw it just before oh. I got on here, and Michelle at like seven thirty was like, "Oh, let's show the Today Show, see the Halloween costume reveal." My wife is not usually here; she's at works in the school, and they're on fall break. And I said, "Oh, no, worry. they won't show it till at least eight fifteen. Sure enough, eight fifteen they started showing it. <laughs> they try to milk it. Chris for knows. I know. I'm a Today Show junkie. All right. Uh, random <laughs> fact. That's not really true, but. <laughs> Funny, I'm a big fan. Did you know that Craig um, Melvin Melvin is from South Carolina? I did know that he went to Wofford College. Went to friend. Went to college at Wofford with, with as a Beth. I did not school. know that. Went to Wofford College with a friend of mine who's a pastor. Found that out. Knows him. Well, that's fun. Yep. I like yep. Craig. There you go. Uh, North Korea. I know him so well. <laughs> we're tight. Continue. I didn't know he went to Wofford. We're tight. Yeah, we're super tight. <laughs> I mean, so close. His <laughs> wife has funny jokes on Instagram too. So yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Again, because we're tight. <laughs> Things we know about people. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I mean, that's silly. It is. Or just said his wife makes funny jokes on Instagram. What does this world come to? Oh, oh boy. I really like Greg. His wife makes funny jokes on Instagram. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell Michelle to start making funny jokes on Instagram so people will like me. Yeah, you should. <laughs> but you know, his wife's famous too. I do. I don't remember. She's how like a sideline reporter for the NFL. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, huh. Continue. Yeah, sorry. This, this is even better. I'm already giggling. North Korean teachers were required to play the accordion. 
Okay. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> the, the Korean teachers okay. were required to play the accordion. Hmm. So is there a weirder instrument to learn to play than the accordion? No, <laughs> I don't think so. The musical instrument is also, there's a lot in this. So we're just gonna, okay. so we're going to unpack it. We're going to unpack this. Yes. A good ministry. The musical instrument is also known as the people's instrument due to its convenient size suitable for taking to marches. What? The people's. Who has ever said? No one. Also, an accordion is not like tiny. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what I thought. I, think I mean, it, like a whistle, maybe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm, okay, what would be the people's instrument? I played, so, I, I mean, I was in the high school band. Um, I played tuba. That's not the Yeah, people that's people not the people. <laughs> No, because it's 45 pounds, and, you know, it's like nobody just whips out a tuba here and there. You know, it's like, you know, a flute, maybe a trumpet, maybe, but nobody's like... Here's my tuba. <laughs> you know, the one person I know that plays for tuba. marches. Huh? Easy for marches, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's the people's instrument. Maybe it's just the people of North Korea. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe they have very few instruments there. Yeah. It's like that or a tuba. So obviously that was the people's Students instrument. Students from all schools in the country are required to learn them. It's I'm like the recorder you. here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this was a misprint. Maybe <laughs> this was actually the recorder. <laughs> They're basically the same. Yeah. That's what my recorder used to sound like. <laughs> this Can you imagine if your child brings home... <laughs> An accordion. Oh, gosh, an accordion to practice? <laughs> yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a donkey. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Students from all schools in the country are required to learn them. This explains why teachers need to pass an accordion exam. Well, I guess so. Before they, before they uh, got their teacher's license in the 1990s. That is so... Bizarre. I mean, so my middle daughter is an education major and she's in the, she's taking her, you know, she, yesterday she was talking about having to take the praxis, which is like the, mm-hmm. the, the quiz or the, the test. The quiz. <laughs> Just a little quiz. Just a little quiz. It's the, <laughs> sorry. It's the test to get your state license. You got to pass in order to get your state license to teach. Hey, can you imagine? You if you had a, you had an accordion praxis, <laughs> praxis test, the accordion. You had to go up in front of some band teacher and play play Mary Had a Little Lamb and 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 old John Doe or whatever, you know, Paul Bunyan or something, whoever old John Doe is. Old Lang Syne. <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. <laughs> they play that a lot in North Korea. <laughs> oh God. We've got to stop. We've got to stop. Oh, we we managed to keep that. <laughs> stop. Oh, oh, stop! Whew. All right, we gotta wrap this thing up on that note. Thanks for listening to the Cultivate Mystery Podcast. Uh, <laughs> go out and find and find a way this week to find. Look, if you find one new way, or maybe it's the first way you've ever done. <laughs> Identify one way that you can equip your volunteers this week 
Buy them all an accordion. Yeah, try, try, to, <laughs> try. Buy them an accordion and, and have at it. You know, and, and serenade your kids with with uh, shout to the Lord on the accordion next, <laughs> next Sunday. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.